Southern California, yeah. Born and raised our DNA, laugh and cry to what we say. We hit you with that wordplay. Four, zero, five, three. What episode are we on? D, they feeling like they be zombies, all dressed in Abercrombie. SoCal DNA coming in live, eight o'clock on a Wednesday night. COVID got you sitting inside, why not sip one and free your mind? Cheap thrills, popping pills, that cash, spend it fast. Listen to all of those lies as Argent act like he's surprised. COVID got you sitting inside. Yo, man, I gotta tell you, man, it's not it's not holding my wife down right now. I think she she just left about a minute ago to go pick up some dog treats, and mm. uh, I think she's gonna go pick up some Taco Bell. She's been talking about it pretty much all day. Wow, Taco yeah. Bell, man. T- tell me when you go to Taco Bell, it may not be your first choice, but what do you like to eat over there? Yeah, so it's definitely not my first choice, right? Um, but usually, I was a big fan of Chalupa. When they were hot, mm. chalupas mm. are solid, but they're expensive though. You know, oh, that? yeah, yeah. But like this is back in the day when they first released it, where it came oh, up yeah, like yeah. a dollar a pop. Oh wow, know? yeah. Man, when was this? Nineteen eighty nine? Nineteen seventy nine? I'm just saying, you know, I go, I, I go deep. I go deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Far back. <laughs> Clearly, before you were born. Yes. <laughs> but usually, if I do get the opportunity, uh, or rather, I'm forced the opportunity of eating Taco Bell, I usually get like a Crunchwrap Supreme. Uh, that's usually my jam okay and, uh okay. you know if i'm feeling a little extra hungry you know because they don't mm. serve fries you know a proper side of some sort usually get like one of those um not dollar menu but like those cheaper end like nacho bel grande things to top oh, it off oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, you know it's funny yeah i think um they do serve fries now but they do call they? it nacho fries it ain't the same no it, it kind of is because is it? it's, it's like, it, it, it's basically like um like nice, are they are they chips nice, or are they actual like fries? No, they're they're actual fries, but they oh. season them in a very good way. Like they taste good. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, okay. Um, and so it's like their version of like a side, right? Got it. And and they can turn it into what you're looking for, the the nacho bel grande. They just call it a nacho fry bel grande. <laughs> so it's just like like same thing, but instead of the chips, they throw in a bunch of fries. Oh man, like how, a chili cheese fries. How often do you go to Taco Bell? I about maybe once every few weeks or so. So I see the menu, like I look at the new stuff. Sure. Um, but I, I mentioned the pricing of the chalupa, right? Oh, yeah. Because I, I do like the chalupa there. When I had it last time, I thought it was great. But man, it's like five bucks for Whoa! one. Whoa. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah, dude. That's why I'm like, dude, like it's almost like a full on yeah. $6 burger type situation. Oh, you got to like, be committed to it. You got to really want it. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't just be halvesies on it. Like, you know what? Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm committed to buying a Chalupa. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, for the, the cheaper stuff, you could take a couple bites and then, you know, when you're two thirds through, you're like, I don't feel as guilty if I throw this away. There for you a go. Chalupa. Dude, you're throwing oh, away a dollar? Yeah. Come on now. But see, the thing is, like, it's to me, I know people buy it and it's probably one of their most popular items, but for what you're getting, is it really worth it? I don't think so. Like, the best part of the chalupa is probably just the, uh, like the the crust or the sure. maybe that's what the chalupa is called, right? Like the yeah, bread portion of it, uh, the carbs yeah. of it. Everything else is just kind of normal. Like there's nothing special that's inside. Yeah, it. yeah. I used to think they were a little more stuffed than a normal like hard shell taco, but mm-hmm. I'm sure if you do, you know, a weight by weight analysis, it'd probably come out to be the same. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's sure. oh man, that brings me back too. Like those, uh, what is it, the double deckers? That they all used to have. I don't know if they call them double deckers, but where it's like um, it's a hard shell taco standard, and then they mm-hmm. do like a cheese layer and wrap it in a flour tortilla. That used to be by Jam oh. too. Yeah, I I don't think I've tried that before, but it oh, sounds yeah. like something that was a big hit in the '90s. Like uh, everybody probably see. Well, I'm I'm stuck that. in the '90s for the tacos or Taco Bell. <laughs> you know, that's that's where I'm stuck at. Hey, that's nice. It's good to have a buddy stuck in the nineties, at least in one way or another. But um, you know, speaking of being stuck in in older eras, um, one of your favorite rappers, Eminem, right? And, and I, I like Eminem as well. Um, just the other day when I was driving, uh, I was on Spotify, and thanks to thanks to my good buddy over here, I'm able to just stream music any any song that I want because of the Spotify. No premium. commercials. No commercials, which is fantastic, phenomenal. Um, and I thought, you know what? I haven't listened to Eminem in a long time. Sure. Let me go ahead and play something from him. 
I didn't want to play his recent music. <laughs> I wanted to go back to something that I enjoyed. And I was looking at his top hits and I realized, you know what my favorite Eminem song is? Just guess. Just guess what my favorite track by Eminem is. Something from his, you know, prime, of course. But what would you think my favorite is? Trying to, well, I want to say Rap Guy, but you didn't listen to the latest stuff. Uh, no, so Rap Guy, I like Rap Guy, but no, I'm, I'm talking about like even further back than Rap God, like pretty much when M was in his prime. Was like, featuring uh, anybody? Uh, no, this is a straight up pure yeah. Eminem track. Yeah. Uh, so it's got to be, uh, it's not Lose Yourself. You're not that poppy. Can't be that. Uh, you know, I, I did really like Lose Yourself. It was one of my favorites, but it's not, not Lose Yourself. What about Stan? It's got to be Stan then. It, it is not Stan. Uh. I, I never, never a huge fan of that track, even though I, I appreciated it, enjoyed it for what it was. But um, the track that I'm looking for here is actually called Without Me. Do you know what that is? Without no. Me? No, well, I'm sure if I hear it, it would be one of those. It's, uh, it, it, it's the one that starts with like uh, two trailer park girls go around the outside, around oh, the outside, yeah, around yeah, the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, man, I got to say, like everything from the beat, which I'm sure. Yeah, so you'd like to see that. Yeah. Just great. And guess what? You know, Eminem produced the beat as well, which is amazing to me. Well, no, that reminds me of, I forget what interview this was, but Kanye had an interview. And then mm. when he was up and coming, he, for some odd reason, was working with Eminem. This is when he, mm. uh, Kanye was still, like, pure producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and what had happened was M left his drums in the studio. And according to Kanye, basically M's drums were so good, he had to steal them. Like, he, he went beyond that code of, you know, being uh, someone that flipped things and was just like, I want those drums. So in the process of trying to copy those drums, um, M's guy comes in without even looking at Kanye or acknowledging him, takes the the disc and just walks out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember this um, story from like a long time ago. And I I don't know what Eminem's thoughts were. Like when he was told about this, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was like, oh, you know what? That's fine. You know, I respect Kanye. He's done a, a lot for the the hip-hop community totally cool to steal my drums go ahead do it again i'll give them to you for free he might even have that mentality but i i just think eminem was really something special and it, it made me listen to this track to realize that um because for the longest time and, and i've been telling you too i i still like eminem you know it's not like i i seek out his music but whenever you share something from his recent albums like the the, the darkness track or whatever it was sure. called from before I, I can tell he still has it of course he can still rap like the best of them but it never really piqued my interest too much sure. but listening to without me made me realize man eminem was like the number one not just hip-hop act but probably musical act in his era like in his prime i i don't think there was anybody more popular in the music scene sure. well he was also eminem. very polarizing very very mm. new he didn't fit the, the typical mold at the time of his prime or rather mm. he still he had a very long prime but at the beginning of his prime especially when mm. he rose to the ranks he was something special man and mm. you know wanted to ask you this question and thought about it when you were talking mm-hmm. do you think that you appreciate eminem's lyricism and production more when he was on some sort of substance compared to when he's sobered up well it's it's hard for me to tell um you know when he's actually on something (laughs) yeah because even now even now you're like really you're quite angry here hold on yeah (laughs) yeah so so and that that's kind of my gripe about eminem's music because i i think it's a as a casual fan of Eminem, mm-hmm. which is kind of a diss to myself, but I'm going to say it anyways, as a casual fan of Eminem, I think he always comes off as aggressive. Like, he has no chill in sure. any of his Well, music. same thing could be said of, like, DMX, right? Fucker's always growling at something, even if it's an yeah. R&B song. You know? Yeah, like- <laughs> I, I, think the, I think the difference is longevity. I think DMX, mm-hmm. he faded so much that he doesn't even make new music anymore. But Eminem... Sure. 
at this age, you know, he's probably in his early forties or something. He's still coming out with albums every few years, every few years. Like I think he came out with two recently. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he still tries to keep himself relevant in hip hop by coming out with full length albums, I think makes me more critical of him. And I don't really, I don't really have the same criticisms for DMX because I think DMX is prime with the Rough Riders and you know the one album that I bought from him was uh, Grand Champ. It was a picture of the Pitbull on the cover with like the yellow font of DMX. I think it had a 50 cent feature on there as well. It, it was a great time to be a hip hop fan back in the early 2000s. But I agree with you. Both X and Eminem come off as aggressive all the time. Um, but with M, it's like, I don't know how much his substance abuse or even his addictions in the past really accentuated his music. I know it's a common Mm. thing for a lot of musicians to say, you know, when I'm intoxicated by something, when I'm on something, I, I can really let loose musically and I can achieve notes and sounds and soundscapes for that matter that a sober me could never do. Mm-hmm. But how does a audience member like myself really tell, oh, when you were recording or producing or writing this, you were clean or you were on something? Should we just make a generalization that, okay, if Eminem represents itself as kind of like a substance abuser, always on something, painkillers, whatever it may be, we just generally assume that during the production of the Eminem show, he was always into something. And and by virtue of that, we can say, oh, when Eminem was in his prime in the early 2000s, he was on something and he was making his best music. Now that maybe he's cleaner and more sober and a better parent than he was before, eh, maybe the music quality suffers. Maybe he's not as popular. I don't know if it's really on us to make that differentiation between sober Eminem and, and you know... <laughs> Uh, intoxicated Eminem, but w- what do you think? Like, I, I think it's hard for me as a fan to say. No, I, well, <clears throat> if I if I take a step back and even just go beyond music, um, you know, there are writers out there that will only write novels when they're intoxicated by uh, drams of alcohol, or if there's particular, um like CEOs or entrepreneurs that only come up with particular ideas after they've, you know, rolled a joint and enjoyed it thoroughly. So I think taking substances to alter one's perspective can alter some of, like, the reality that we live in and open new gates to newer ideas that are a little bit atypical. And that's not to say that that can't be done when you're completely sober. I think it eases the um, opening of these avenues to take. So it's it's hard to say. Like if you want to talk about credit and all that, I wanted to ask you that. You know, I was I was hoping you were going to say yes, but you know, when he is in his older days, when he was still slim shady. Um, mm-hmm. Did you like his music more? And then I wanted to attribute that to, can you attribute it to a person or do you have to attribute it to that mindset that a particular substance prones you toward? It's an interesting question, but l- let me just first give you a ton of credit for finding a way to use DRAM in the podcast. <laughs> uh, now, for, for those of us who are not so sophisticated in our, you know, alcohol-related vernacular. Why don't you go ahead and break down what DRAM means? <laughs> what is it? Dedicated uh, memory? What is it? Something like that? Processing memory? I... DRAMs uh-huh. are, <laughs> <laughs> at least for my particular uh, vocabulary, are drinks of whiskey or of some sort of alcoholic beverage, if you take mm-hmm. another step back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a word that I learned very recently, and I'm very proud of it. Because it's such a simple word, but it has this tone to it that makes it sound super intense. Something that's almost forceful sometimes. But then when you look up what it is, it's just a little, it's a little neat pour. A little neat pour. Mm. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's what the D likes to use to get slippery every now and then. Uh, <laughs> pour, pour multiple drams, multiple drams. 
And dude, that's what I've been doing. Uh, I don't. I mean, I think we can stray away a little bit from the Eminem or just the drug use and talk about personal drug use. But uh, in order to like, so I'm trying to kind of like expand my palate. I think it'll help because I do do food on the side. There's got to be a way for me to train my tongue and my senses to different flavor profiles and slight nuances that can occur, right? If you add like a little bit of a certain spice or you have take something at a certain temperature or if you water something down, how does that, you know, affect the, the smell of it? Mm. So I've been pouring just multiple drams every night just because I've been pouring different um, drams. So it'll be one bottle for the first one, something that I'm pretty particular in. Uh, where I know like the flavor profile and then I'll pour another one of a completely different bourbon that'll help me distinguish between the two. And I think that's a, it's an interesting way of going about it because it's a entertaining as fuck to me, but B the, the, the nuances in this super subgenre of a particular alcohol can have so many differences. I don't know if you've ever experienced that where like it could just be off by 1% of a particular grain and the flavor profile could be so different that it could make you love it or hate it. This is what I think about at night. This is, this is <laughs> so good. So good. Well, you know, I, I think you are certainly an aficionado of whiskey and bourbon and liqueurs in general. And I learned from you every time we have a conversation and dram is a vocabulary word that I did not know before. I used to view it as what you were trying to think of, which is dynamic random mm. access memory, mm. uh, which is common. That's the, you know, memory. You see those cards that go into the PCs, into laptops, but Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, sure. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Sorry. I heard cards. I'm like, huh, that one slipped. <laughs> it just came out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the alacrity, the mental alacrity of the D. So <laughs> very, slippery. Very, so very, slippery. very slippery. Hard to catch. Hard to catch this one sometimes. Um, but no, I, I think uh, sometimes using different words that are a little esoteric and, and maybe have a, a niche community that mm. likes to use it can be rather entertaining. Like I think of, you know, instead of saying, oh, I want a, a mug of beer. What if you say a tankard of beer? And a tankard is kind of interesting because it makes you think of like medieval times, right? Like those huge kind of, uh, you know, containers <laughs> with a little bit of a lid on top, you know, where you use the thumb to like take it off. Like sure. you imagine like in uh, like some kind of Oktoberfest in Germany, everybody just has a tankard of beer and they're just filling it up over and over again. So it kind of, it, it, there's like this connotation that's attached to words like tankard and dram that you can't just convey by saying, oh yeah, pour me a, a cup of your of your bourbon. Eh, you know, what? why say cup when you can say Yeah, that? that's that's almost humiliating. I'd be like, what? Fuck it, I'm going to fill the sucker up. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. I think I think as we become more and more learned about these uh, liqueurs, we, go, we become a little snobby, you know? Uh, but so. it's not but it's not to be confused with being snubbed because a lot of people have been snubbed for the recent NBA All-Star game selection that's been going around I'm sure a lot of our audience has uh, heard about uh, the NBA All-Star game coming up next weekend actually next Sunday and all the reserves have been chosen all the starters were chosen before then and uh, every year you know Don and I know this very well you can't award <laughs> everyone a lot of people have great seasons, but there's a limited roster size in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. So people are going to get left out. They're going to be snubbed. And this year was no different. Um, I, I think uh, just to kind of recap for the audience here, the starters that were voted in would be from the Western Conference, 17-time All-Star LeBron James. You have Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Kawhi Leonard. I think Don and I would agree that that sounds reasonable. All five of those guys, given the way that the votes are, are broken down, 50% fan voting, 25% coaches, 25% players, it's reasonable. It makes sense. Sure. Eastern Conference leading vote getter is 11-time All-Star Kevin Durant, then not too far behind him, two-time Kia MVP and Kia Defensive Player of the Year reigning and defending 
Giannis Antetokounmpo, Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, and Kyrie Irving. Again, you can understand that. I mean, nothing really stands out too much to me there. Then we get to the reserves, and we're not going to go through all the names here for the reserves, but um, the one name that a lot of people were kind of saying, you know what, I can't believe this guy was left off of the Western Conference reserves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That guy was Devin Booker. And believe it or not, and this is my hot take for you, Don, even though you know I'm a Booker fan, I actually didn't think Booker was having such a great season this year. I I would <clears> actually <throat> make the argument that the coaches got it right. And here's my justification. People may be wondering, well, come on. I mean, you have to reward Phoenix. They're doing such a phenomenal job this year. And I say to that, yes, they are doing a phenomenal job. But do you know why? It's because of Chris Paul. It's not because of Devin Booker. That's why when I saw that Chris Paul was the only son selected in the All-Star Reserves, it made sense to me. Sure. and But what had happened was, um, because Anthony Davis is hurt mm -hmm. or injured, Devin Booker is the replacement now. Yeah, exactly. So, so ultimately, I think the people who are clamoring for Devin Booker to be an All-Star, they were satiated. And Devin Booker, of course, he does deserve to be an All-Star. Sure. But just in my justification... I was thinking, if no, you were going to pick between the two, wouldn't it make more sense to give it to Chris Paul? Because Devin Booker's been there for like, what, six years now, seven mm -hmm. years now. Mm -hmm. He's never made it to the playoffs. But now that Chris Paul is on the team, a proven leader, a proven floor general, he elevated this team mm -hmm. to becoming a playoff team. Oh, so yeah. that's my two cents on No, this. definitely, definitely. And I think the same could be said where, you know, why Booker? Why not eight? Booker has more appeal, I get it. But because of the insertion of Chris Paul to Phoenix, uh, we've seen both of them grow, Booker and Aiden. And their stats this year have been amazing. No, no. See, so you're, you're actually completely wrong. I don't think Aiden deserves any part of this conversation whatsoever. I, I simply bring you to his averages this year. He's only averaging 14 points. Though. Solid, solid, solid. But let me let me break it down even further to you. Last year, he averaged 18 points. It's all right. You know, you got to give something to Chris Paul. He's averaging, what, let me see, 16. It's going to be, there's that four. There's that four. <clears throat> Look at Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, 14 point average. Um, Simmons, 15, 16 point average. You round up. Hmm. Well, okay. I, I think if you're if you're saying that like Aiton deserves some recognition, perhaps over Booker to be the second son as an All Star, I see no credibility there. I don't think there's any grounding. There's no foundation mm. for Aiton to be an All Star this mm. year. Mm. You beg to differ. Mm. No, 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 no. I'm just making noises. Mm. <laughs> no, that's what that is. Okay. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, I always, right. well, yeah. something I wanted to ask you. Yeah. How's Ingram doing? I haven't done any deep dive into their stats or anything. Like, I'm interested mm -hmm. in seeing what happened to Ingram. I, I wouldn't say anything happened to him. He's having a great season. Um, he's actually doing a pretty much on par with Devin Booker. He's averaging 24, 5, and 5. So that's a great year. Um, and, and I think it's just a matter of Zion is the younger of the two between Ingram and, and himself, of course, Zion is more exciting. And being that this is his second year and he dramatically increased his points per game, he may be leading the league in field goal percentage and his dominance just inside the paint kind of is unrivaled, right? Like I don't think anybody else is playing quite like him. Maybe Giannis comes close to dominating inside the paint. Um, and I think those are the reasons why, the coaches gave it to Zion over Ingram. But are you thinking that Ingram it should have been an all-star starter? Not an all-star starter, but do you think he should have been a reserve? No, I, I never really liked Ingram. Um, oh. Wow. I mean, I, I liked him because he was a Laker and all that. But mm. we we all kind of knew it was just a placeholder. Um, that nothing would come of it. So I'm wait, happy. Wait, I'm happy. Wait, yeah, wait, I didn't think hold, they were. Hold on, hold on. There was now. no way no, with that roster that they were going to get anywhere. Oh, you okay? So you're thinking that with Ingram we could never win a title? That's no, no, no. I'm saying. not saying with Ingram. I'm just saying in total the whole team that we had. There was nowhere we were, we were getting nowhere with it. 
Oh, but okay, but that that's a different conversation. I, I thought you were saying that. No, no, not purely Ingram. Ingram. No, okay, no, no. okay. I see. No, I, I see. It, yeah. It's it's good that Ingram now finally has the spotlight to shine somewhere. Uh, unfortunately, he can't share the spotlight with um, who's your favorite player again? Uh, I blank on the name of these forgetful players. Oh, um, um, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Hold on. Hold no, no. Don't, don't, don't turn this on, on me. No, 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 All right. No, I'm no. like four dreads no. in, but I caught that one. No, no, no. <laughs> you, you, no, no. you were the one who was like forgetful player. I'm like, what? I'm hurt oh. to hear that. About well, a man you're the one saying, away. oh my gosh. Come oh on. my God. Come on now. I can't believe you say that, Don. How could you call Kobe Bryant a forgetful player when the man passed away? All right. Everybody listening, go back like 20 seconds. And hear this whole thing out again. Yeah, please do. Never, never came from my mouth. Never came from my mouth. Sure, sure. Uh, but go know. ahead, go ahead. Talk no, shit. I, talk I don't even shit want to anymore. Ball. It doesn't deserve the light of day in this podcast. <laughs> All right, there is a ball that should probably, well, uh-huh. will eventually reach uh, all-star potential. Mm. Um, and someone, I mean, in the East, looking at the roster, I mean, it's it's set. <clears throat> um, Levine may be questionable, but he's having, you know, pro- having good production this year. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Levine may be questionable. What does that even mean? He's, he's, there's other players there. Like, are you that, kidding? Do you not realize Levine is having career numbers? Which I get, but that's because he's playing in fucking Chicago, man. No, not just the because same thing can be said in- about Julius Randle. Why is Julius Randle there? Julius Randle is having a phenomenal season. Because he's playing in New York. Not just because he's playing in New York, my friend. He is playing the best basketball he's ever played. Same goes <sighs> for Levine. We'll see when the injuries take over again. Wow, man. Why, why are you so salty today, Don? Why can't you appreciate these young I'm not players? liking this dram that I just poured. It's not sitting well with me. See, this is like the seventeenth time you've said "dram." I think hey, you know, I think that's that's not boding well for you right now. It's you know, not boding it's, well. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. So okay, you're not <clears throat> a fan of Randall. You're not no. a fan of uh, Zach Levine. Who yeah. are you a fan of? Who do you like today? On the East, or are we talking just in general? Let's say on the East, because you've been shitting on these East <clears throat> players a lot. Uh, I like Sabonis. Sabonis is solid. Um, mm. I, I feel like he does have. He's going to be a little more injury prone in the future. He's, he's already had some issues slightly. So I'm hoping that doesn't uh, hinder his continual growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Simmons. Uh, Simmons is solid. And the more he gains confidence in that shot, the more of a threat he'll become. <laughs> All right. No, uh, hey, we'll leave it at that. Let's, not, let's move forward. Let's move forward. Okay. Um, okay, Mr. Dram. I like the Boston core of Tatum and Brown. Here, here's something. Here's something. I I didn't know Jalen Brown could be this good. You know, um, I hey, didn't know he could. Uh, and I did say he was going to be good. I remember during all the drafts, like, why do you like Brown so much? Why? Why do you like him? Yeah, that does sound like me. Just, just constantly questioning your, your authority. <laughs> yeah, like why him? Why? Don't even like the guy. It was a fucking sixth round. He's available. Wow, yeah, well, that, that's on me. That's, that's definitely yeah, on mm-hmm. me then. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, Boston has a very good duo there, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. It's kind of cool to me that I could be wrong about this, but I think Brown and Ingram are from the same draft class. And I remember back in those days we were thinking, you know, who would be the better of the two, right? Like uh, if, if Brown was a Laker would we like that more than Ingram is a Laker and vice versa. If Ingram was over there on the Celtics, would he be making the playoffs with them under Brad Stevens? It was kind of a fun experiment, but now we kind of see they're both comparable players. I think they're both good defenders. Um, they can score in different ways. They can dish a little bit. They can rebound a little bit and, and they play with a good ethic. So I, I like Jalen Brown now. I think he's having a phenomenal year. Well-deserved first time all-star selection. Yeah. Um, so it, and so you it know, sounds like Ben yeah. Simmons was also in that draft class too. One, two, three. Oh, were they really? Wow. Yeah. You know, Ben Simmons to me, he's he's kind of plateaued. He's in, he's imperfect, and they're trying to chip away at whatever the hell is keeping him stuck. 
he he is imperfect, and and I just don't think he can really get better. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm I, hopeful. That's that's why I like him so much. It's it's. I don't think he has any problems when it comes to media. Um, I I think he is a phenomenal speaker whenever he gets the interview, and I feel like he is one of those. Not necessarily floor generals, but like budding floor generals or budding team leaders that for some odd reason just can't bloom yet. He's he's almost there. And like maybe they're overwatering him or maybe he's just not getting enough sunlight. There's something. There's something. You know, you gotta you gotta trust the process. And I'm I'm trusting it because that setup in Philadelphia has worked out for him, but it just hasn't given him the the chip or the even the attempt at the chip yet um i don't know well you know b- barring any further strained metaphors for photos <laughs> <Dram. and> simmons <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i i hear you loud and clear there i i just think we expect too much of ben simmons and by we i mostly mean you yeah. I, I think ben simmons is showing us that he is not going to be the best player on the team he, he's simply not that guy. I think in years past, there were some parallels to him and LeBron James. There were some parallels to him and Magic Johnson. But given what he's done the past couple of years, and especially this year, I just don't think you can win a title when Ben Simmons is the best player on your team. Sure. That's, yeah. not, that's not an issue. It's not necessarily a problem. Because as you know, I think a lot of pundits are saying that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can be the dynamic duo that can catapult the 76ers over the Brooklyn Nets. Now, mm. would you would you go that far? Would you say that they have a shot here to really <clears throat> win the East? I, I it's going to come down to injuries, honestly. I want mm. I mean, I want Philadelphia to win. Or rather, I don't want Brooklyn to win. Anybody can mm. take them down. I, I'm rooting for any team that goes against Brooklyn. Mm. Um, but it really does come down to injuries. If KD gets hurt, if Kyrie gets hurt, hell, even if Harden gets hurt somehow. I don't think he's ever had a, a really strenuous injury before, has he? Um, Harden, you mean? Yeah, yeah, Harden. Um, he, he's never been out for too long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's never really faced something like that. But he is coming of age where um, in, he, he gets more and more injury prone, right? Mm. Um. Mm. And the same thing could be said about Embiid, who, for some odd reason this year, his back is made of steel. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah. While playing solid minutes. Mm-hmm. And even Simmons with his own back. Uh, I think the key factor <clears throat> is going to be how Toby, Tobias Harris, can produce for that team. Mm. Uh, he's, he's always been silent. <clears throat> never really hit in the spotlight. There are moments where he has taken the spotlight and shown that um, he can propel a team forward or just will the team forward with his skill set. Mm-hmm. But to ask that of him uh, on a, a daily basis when we enter the postseason is going to be quite tough, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tobias Harris has always been a solid player. Mm-hmm. Um Good score, reliable, mm-hmm. um, especially on lesser teams. He's an easy 20 points per game. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and even now, he'll give you 20 on most nights. Mm-hmm. I, I just, um, it's really hard for me to predict what's happening in the East because I expected Miami to be much better. And I'm sure you did as well, sure. right? Um, they're coming off of... Recency uh, bias for us. Yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, they're coming off of a finals run which hasn't been done in many years from them since like LeBron was there. Um, and I was thinking, okay, they've firmly established themselves as the true gatekeepers in the East led of course by Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. But for whatever reason, maybe it's injuries. I know Jimmy's missed some time. That's also the reason why he was snubbed off the all-star list this year. Um, maybe they just need more games to catch up now that everyone's starting to become healthy again. So that's a little bit surprising. But also, I I don't know what to make of Brooklyn yet. Um, I understand that when everyone's healthy, meaning the big three, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, 
they can beat almost any team in the league. I say yeah. almost because I don't think we've seen them really be tested yet in in a playoff-like environment where they're going to be forced to shoot jumpers and they don't have a reliable big man presence to get easy buckets. Sure. What happens when, let's say, they go up against the Clippers? Just as an example, I know you hate the Clippers, but just as an example, if they're being checked by, let's say, Patrick Beverly. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, how are they going to score consistently? Like, are they going to have an easy path to buckets? That's what I'm wondering. Well, with Harden, any bucket is an easy bucket for him, or he makes it look easy. He works, but that step back, that patented Harden travel step back, is, I think, what'll help out, especially because they're going to have to double team either KD or him at all points, sometimes even Kyrie. So it's going to have to depend on uh, the depth, which (laughs) is is pretty thin, pretty thin, pretty shallow. Just like this strand. Got to refill soon. Brooklyn's depth is shallow. I I was watching a little bit of their game today. It was on ABC. And uh, I saw some guy named Bruce Brown. Sounded like one of those level 55 overall. (laughs) You know, NBA 2K characters. The ones he just automatically turned in for MP or coin. Yeah, just sell them instantly. 250, that's fine. Give me 250 for that guy. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of those on Brooklyn. And, you know, suffice to say, without KD tonight being injured because of his hamstring, without Kyrie tonight, it was basically Harden and a bunch of YMCA people. And... They couldn't contend with sure. Luka Doncic and Przingis being back for the first time after a stretch of three games missed for his uh, injury. I, I I think Harden, of course, as you said, I agree with your points. Harden's capable of scoring at will when he has the ball in his hands. He can make things happen. Mm-hmm. But have we ever seen a team win a title based purely on offensive superiority? I don't think so. I don't think that's ever happened. I think every NBA championship team could hang their hat on defense. Maybe not the best defense possible, mm-hmm. but they have to be at least above average sure, yeah. to win Yeah, because the most nearest um, example I could provide would be Golden State, where they were just an offensive powerhouse. But they did have at least an above average defensive lineup during that period where they ran the NBA. Dude, Andre Iguodala yeah. and Draymond Green. Exactly. Yeah, they, yeah. they were solid. Well, Draymond and then you had... Clay the, Thompson. Uh, yeah. Yeah. These were all when they were healthy, too. You know, mm-hmm. it's still shaky ankle curry from time to time, but, you know, healthy nonetheless. Absolutely. And so th- that's my main concern. I-, I think, of course, records are meant to be broken. Um, new things happen every season. But until I see them truly tested in the playoffs... I don't know what to make of the Nets. Like yourself, um, I will be rooting for Milwaukee to beat them. I'll be rooting for, you know, whatever their opposition is in the East to beat them. And if they do happen to make it to the to the finals, hopefully facing the Lakers, I think that'll be a very epic final showdown. But I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned because I don't know if the Lakers, even with a healthy Anthony Davis, have what it takes to outgun Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. What do you make of that matchup, man? What do you think will happen? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's scary because it's, it's hard to even project what the Lakers are going to be looking like. Um, I'm hoping AD is taking extra time off just to make sure that he's back at 100% and they're not throwing him on the floor at 80% as they normally would. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not as fast of a team that I'd like us to be. We do run mm. a decent pace, but I think Brooklyn's just going to be outrunning and outgunning us, as you had kind of alluded to earlier. Mm. So that, that frightens me because <clears throat> with Brooklyn's offense, offensive capabilities, rather, I don't even know how to describe their offense right now, honestly, aside from mm. give it to Harden, give it to KD, Give it to Kyrie. If none of them are on the court, good luck. Have fun out there, guys. Um, it's mm-hmm. I don't know because even I question the Lakers' depth. To be honest, um, just the other night we had Tht 
uh, start, which was, you know, mm-hmm. fresh, fresh, a little concerning, right? As someone that's expecting AD to be there and you're like, whoa, we'll put in THT instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he did excel more so than he normally does. And he's having a fantastic year for his role. Sure. But if you put him against KD, you know, on those off minutes where AD has to rest, like the matchups don't make sense to me. Who's LeBron going to be guarding? Joe Harris, okay, because he needs to rest. Who's AD going to be guarding? You're going to put him on KD, maybe? Yeah, you bring up a lot of good questions. And um, I, I first say, isn't it kind of ironic we're talking about the Lakers' death this year in a negative way? Because I think we were all thinking, after the summer that we picked up Dennis Schroeder yeah. and Montrez Harrell, who's yeah. the reigning sixth man of the year, sure. We were thinking, oh, yeah, like we got a better team this year than the year before. (laughs) But you know what? One thing that doesn't get mentioned too often is what happens when those one-year contract players go away. And I'm talking about the Dwight Howards, the JaVale McGee's, Mm -hmm. even the Rajon Rondos of the world. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, they weren't getting paid too much, and their role was kind of minimal throughout the season, but they mattered, man. Especially during the playoffs, they mattered. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. I mean, without them. All three of them. Uh, McGee less so towards the end, but throughout the season, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they were you know, the soul of the team, if you would. You know, the ones that couldn't be seen, but were producing the, the garbage stats or the garbage hustle that we tend to not appreciate as much as spectators. And to lose them is, is sad. They're getting nice paychecks elsewhere. I'll give them that. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's Schroeder, for example, if we talk about the new pickups, Schroeder is okay. He's good. But mm-hmm. do we necessarily need him for what he can do? I don't think so. Uh, it does help out the offense, though, especially when LeBron's not on the court. And he does provide a burst of energy whenever he does get the ball. Harold, I like Harold. Harold is a that a, a, a tough kind of bad boy mentality kind of player, and I, mm. I, I always laugh whenever he gets that you know that little like quick floater that he'll throw up where it's like super flat all the time, but it goes in like half sure. the time. So you're like, sure. all right, I'll take that any day. Um, mm. but yeah, I thought we, like you said, that we did get stronger um this year but maybe it's just because i'm frightened at how all the other teams got much stronger uh it's much harder to hold down the throne when you know everybody's coming at you now so maybe it's that fear in me or maybe us that makes us think we may not be as uh armored up as we'd like to be i think i think two things are at play here number one anthony davis was not playing well before he got injured. Sure. I think now this is relatively speaking, of course, comparing to his past seasons. Yeah. yeah. He was a better player for the Lakers last year, both statistically and just his body language, just overall production on the court this year. It almost seems like, you know, he won a title finally. So it's kind of easing up a little bit. He's saving himself for the playoffs. I can understand that. But when you see a guy who's like 36 years old right next to you pouring his heart out every game, not taking any rest days, and you're kind of half-assing it, and you're 26, 10 years his younger, then I'm just thinking, man, like, that's not a good look. I I don't know how you feel, but, but for me personally, and this is another hot take for you, I liked AD more when he was on New Orleans. It was more exciting. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. He was more exciting, he was hungrier, and it was it was just kind of cool to see him do as much as possible to will yeah. his team to victory. Yeah, yeah. And that has to be said, when he first entered the league and he became the beacon of New Orleans, we did see it start to go downhill. But then once uh, they had that fantastic year with Cousins there, it just shot mm-hmm. back up, that excitement. And mm-hmm. that, that, that prime AD that you'd expect. It begs mm-hmm. the question... That do you think AD is kind of taking the easy road now that he's a champion and he locked in that close to 200 mil contract? 
Yeah, I I would I wouldn't necessarily say easy road, but I just think he's he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And when players are comfortable with their situation, there's less of an incentive to keep pushing, to sure. keep maximizing what you do every day. Um, that's why some players are built different than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh shit! Bro- <laughs> <laughs> you, you good there? You good I'll there, be- buddy? No, that was rough. That was a rough swallow. Oh, 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 God. Oh, God. Okay. Now, when when LeBron used to say, you know, we're built different, we're built different, dog, he was also talking about AD, but that was mostly motivational, right? That was trying to say, hey, you know, we're Lakers, we're champions, we're, we're, we're cut from a different cloth, and we're expected to do great things. This is what we expect from ourselves. But now, just given the situation, I think we truly see the greatness of LeBron when contrasted with what AD was doing for the first half of the season, I think when you have a guy like like LeBron James, who is not just worried about this year, he's worried about his legacy, right? He's worried about not just uh, being the greatest player of all time, surpassing Michael Jordan, but he's also chasing a ghost, the ghost of Kobe Bryant. He's trying to be the best Laker of all time too. And, and you know, it's not easy. You You can't just... Rest on your laurels. You can't just be satisfied with a good season. You have to win titles. You have to win the accolades, whether it's an MVP or, you know, whatever it may be, finals MVP. And LeBron knows that. And I think probably that's what I respect about him more than anything else. And that's also something that I think he has in common with Kobe. Um, Kobe, as you know, even when he was on those losing Laker teams in the latter half of his career, after Pau Gasol had left, of course, he was still of the same mindset, right? His mentality was what? Let's play hard. Let's take the guys that we do have and compete. Compete every single night. Westbrook has that mentality as well. But the basketball IQ may not be there for him. That's a separate matter entirely. Um, So at, at least for LeBron, his championship mentality kind of rivals that of the Mamba mentality when it comes to winning. And I respect that about LeBron. And when you contrast that with, with um, ADs, as I would put it, complacency, I, I think I'm not as big of a fan of AD now as I was when he was a Pelican. And I'm also interested in seeing, is this just a matter of time? Meaning, yes, Lakers are on kind of a downturn now without AD. They finally won a game after losing the straight four thanks to Shooter coming back. Is it really just the Lakers kind of resting in fifth gear and waiting until the playoffs to push it to sixth gear? Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe our fears are just overblown and they're not really warranted because we've seen this before, right? I mean, come on. You look back at old Laker teams, especially after a back-to-back title, how often do you see the Lakers kind of fall in the standings, right? No longer make it as the first place overall team. They're kind of in the the third pocket, the fourth pocket. Maybe that's what's going to happen this year. And perhaps more so than any other year, it is acceptable for the Lakers not to have home court advantage. Why? Because the fans are not really going to be there. I think a major part of home court advantage is having like 20,000 fans packed in an arena cheering for you rocking the colors and and really propelling you to a win now yes they're moving around so they may get some more rest right in their own homes instead of a hotel but i think if you even if you ask the players right do you care about getting home court advantage throughout the playoffs they might say it would be nice sure but it's not the same mm-hmm. so my my personal belief is yes 80 isn't having a great year LeBron's being really tested now, but ultimately, even if they lose a lot of games in the regular season, as long as they make the playoffs, I think they'll kick it into that championship gear. I think LeBron will bring it for sure. AD, he has to step up. He hasn't stepped up at all this season. He'll step up in the playoffs. And I hope that we see the Lakers that we were hoping on seeing when we saw the signing of Trezorel and Dennis Schroeder. I hope we see that formidable tag team coming off the bench along with the formidable dynamic duo starting in the Lakers lineup. So we'll see, man. I, I think time will tell. Um, when the playoffs begin, it is a new ball game for sure. Um, but 
you know, back to the all-star competition, I think we're both in agreement that, yes, DeMontis Sabonis was the right person to pick to replace Kevin Durant. He mm-hmm. deserved it. I think Devin Booker, it makes sense. Um, he's both a fan favorite uh, as well as, you know, he's having a good year, too, on a good Phoenix team. Did you think there were any other snubs out there besides those two? Those two were the biggest for me, but can you think of anybody else? Tough, tough. <clears throat> Jimmy Butler, just for his accolades before, but he isn't having a good season, so that's definitely not one or a warranted one, nor mm-hmm. one that I'd like to talk about. Minnesota is basically all fucked up, except for Ant-Man, so, you know, mm-hmm. he's too young. He's too young. We'll give him the, the mm-hmm. Roy Award, and then we'll move forward from there. Okay, um, no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see. Let me see. There, there's a there's a one in the East for sure that we're overlooking. Who am I forgetting? What team? Uh, Milwaukee. Oh, with Middleton? I think so. I think so. I mean, granted, Milwaukee hasn't done as well as they typically do in the regular season so far. Sure. But Middleton's been playing phenomenal basketball. You look at his numbers, man. Yeah. I well, that anybody yeah. and like ever since he signed that contract, he got even more or even better, which is. Not atypical, but it's not something you would expect, which is phenomenal. I'm just not a fan of Middleton. That's just me. Stop mm. giving him the light of day. Maybe if I looked into it more, um, mm. I, I'd mm. become more of a fan. But for sure. now, yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. So I, I think for the most part, though, oh, there's another one um, in the East. Uh-huh. Trey. Nah, you don't nah. like Trey. You're not a big well, fan of Trey. He, Trey. Is he on a playoff team? Does that really? I mean, no, but <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but you know, um, uh huh, he's solid. I mean, do you like him more than you like Kyrie more? Oh, I like this question. I I think, and I'll give you a political answer. I think uh, playoff teams, especially top two teams in the sure. East, should be rewarded with multiple All Stars. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, what is it? Counter that. Why'd Zion make it? Well, Zion's a cover, so Zion's cool. John Morant on the Grizzlies. Uh, is he on a playoff team? No, he's not, but Zion isn't either. But I'm just saying, I'm just talking about people that I think maybe could have gotten, you know, if there was an extra seat, could have been up for consideration. I, I don't think John Morant's worth it, man. I, I don't think I he's like having John, a great man. year. But he's he's willing to team all the time. To what? To, to what? To, to like mediocrity. <laughs> Not even. They're they're trying to get to mediocrity. He's willed them to like out of mediocrity, sub mediocrity. But... No, they're tenth right now. It's not bad. Yeah, Al- almost five hundred. <laughs> almost five hundred. There you go. I you know I I just think John ja Morant's a good player, but I think it's difficult to pick him as an all star, right? Sure. Like, why would you pick him instead of let's say Brandon Ingram? Which, okay, okay. You know, and I'm just looking at the standings. Mm-hmm. Can you believe the Spurs are full, fifth right now? No, I really can't. I, I... <laughs> that is that is, true? Yeah, they're fifth. Wow. They're 17 and 12. Um, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, one I step up that. from the Trailblazers. Uh, so, it, that's, uh, it just shows how coaching can be amazing. But you know what's just wild to me? Like, the West is so stacked this year oh, yeah. that the Nuggets are eighth, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that's a toss up between the Mavs and their like. I'm trying to project here. Grizzlies, yeah, okay, we could leave them where they are. Pelicans, unfortunately, I don't see them climbing too much. And the Rockets are now garbage. Timberwolves are a shit show. Kings, maybe that's a uh, time to turn them into the Supersonics sometime soon. Ooh, uh, Thunder, dude. Well, in a couple of years, Thunder. This is all makes sense. <laughs> you know, the the biggest surprise to me is actually the uh, the Warriors. Um, Por I, qué? I really, I really didn't think that even a healthy Curry and a healthy Draymond could get them into the playoffs sure. so convincingly. Mm-hmm. Because right now, I think we would both agree 
it's difficult to imagine them dropping out of the top eight. You know, yeah. they, they've won, let's see, they're on... Um, Three-win streak. Three-win streak. They've won seven out of the last ten, which is pretty impressive. And it looks like Curry is playing at an MVP level. Oh, Draymond, yeah. Draymond, your, your favorite car guy. name as well. Yeah, he's playing the best basketball of this particular, um, you know, one or two week stretch that he's having in, in his whole last two or three seasons. So he's in his peak right now. He's for sure playing great Golden State Warrior basketball. And I'd love to see them make the playoffs again so they can get smashed by the Lakers. I'm just so sick of the Warriors in general for like being in the finals for like three, four years straight. Yeah. Might as well have the Lakers get their revenge in the playoffs sure. in the first round, sure. go through them. Um, and that'd be an easy out too. I think four games sweep probably for any team. Um, uh, now, the, the Nuggets though, I just, what, what do you make of this? Why do you think the Nuggets are so bad? I don't know. I like the Nuggets as a team. Uh, I'm not going to root against them if they're playing against my team. But, I mean, it's. I don't think they're lacking chemistry. I don't think they're they're lacking talent. Um, it's confusing because they have the pieces. But maybe it's just because it's up against a stacked Western Conference where... Mm. You know, it's unfortunate that that team stands where it does. So, yeah. I, is, it, is there an injury there? No, right? Um, I, I think all the major players are healthy. Yeah, so, so like, Murray, yeah. Murray's, I mean, Murray's not playoff Murray, but he's still being fantastic in the um, regular season. Sure. Michael Porter Jr., yeah. he's, he's steadily going into his role. Um. Not as much of a, a huge bump as we may have expected in the off season, but still something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. You know, it it is kind of a a cryptic mystery, if you will, what's yeah. going on with the Nuggets, and sometimes you have to decrypt what's going on to truly understand <laughs> the full breadth, the full gamut of a situation. And uh, one of our one of our favorite followers and a great guest of the show, friend of the show, Leroy Tung. He wanted me and you to discuss something that he found very interesting. So let me bring up a, a article by Jeff Benson um, from Decrypt.co. Uh, doesn't sound very reputable to me, but perhaps more so than the Oxford Student Journal. Uh, this was written. <laughs> How dare three... you? How dare I you? Know. Those are I like know. three of our nine fans. I know. I know. <laughs> so uh, this is February 9th, 2021. And um, basically, this article goes into uh, NBA Spencer Dinwiddie, who is the now injured point guard of the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> dishing on his crypto-based app for creators. And quite frankly, I'm still a little bit foggy as to the details and the real ins and outs of this. But essentially, he wanted to um, build more value and grow more value through his NBA contract by tokenizing part of it. And I guess this is a trend that's been happening with a lot of different celebrities now and, and sports athletes where they allow fans and, and anybody, I guess, to invest in themselves, to invest in the creators, the talented artists out there, and watch them grow over time and actually get some financial gain, some financial return for it. Um, so, you know, this was a, a very n- new idea. And, uh, you know, this system is built on something that you're very familiar with, the Hedera Hashgraph, oh, which yeah. of course is a distributed ledger technology similar to a blockchain, which you know, you're know you pretty much the expert on blockchain. After Bourbon, it's blockchain for you, night and day, right? Of course. And uh, you know, this is a this is something that um, you know he's been working on for some time and he he wanted to raise about $13 million from tokenizing part of his contract. But unfortunately, he was only able to raise about 1.3 million and not only that i think the value of his tokens are actually going down because he's not playing games and (laughs) the brooklyn nets might even trade him soon so he's becoming a bit of nba journeyman um it's it's the funny thing too uh he wanted to raise 13.5 mil by selling 90 tokens of his particular sd26 professional athlete token only nine were sold 
and him testing positive for COVID-19 back in June of last year uh, was not a good look either. So there was a lot of different issues going on. But one thing that I was thinking, if you're really going to take this to another level, if you're going to try to do something like this, I think it makes more sense to get a younger player like a LaMelo Ball, who you're fond of, and also uh, Zion Williamson. If you get those guys to tokenize a part of their contract, I think with the legions of fans that follow them already on social media, you could get a bit of a, you know, Reddit field rally going on for them. And that could probably propel their cryptocurrencies into the stratosphere, at least temporarily. And who knows, maybe if you're in the long game, it could make sense as well. Zion, surely he'll have multiple all-stars. He might even be an MVP someday. You never know. Uh, LaMelo Ball, he looks like he'll have a brighter career than his brother Lonzo. He's a good investment as well. So I think there's a, a lot to be said about this. But what do you think in general about the idea of tokenizing part of your contract? Definitely revolutionary. And it's, it's probably a, a good introduction, at least, for what Dinwiddie is doing to the future possibilities of what contracts can become. Right, because as you were speaking, talking so eloquently, I was beginning to think of how can we adapt this to a team's cap, right? Where instead of just dollars now, you have a different currency by which you can trade, where it's not just what the team or owner value is to a player, but what is the player value to the fans, and maybe you could attribute that sort of uh, cap in this kind of token cap where you can't have too many fan favorites. And in doing so, if the NBA were to implement something of this sort, it would help, I think, spread the evenness of favorability of players amongst the whole league and maybe bring a little bit of a kind of like a spreading effect so that there aren't too many teams that are so heavily invested in star players or at least well-liked players. Mm. And then it begs me to think of, okay, well, they kind of have something like that or it's called team chemistry, right? At least from the player's perspective, there's, mm. there'll be players that will be brought onto rosters just for what they do in the locker room. Cousins being... Um, a key person right now, or <laughs> Dudley, another one, uh, or even what's a uh, Philly cheesesteak stand? Uh, it's no longer with us, played in Miami. Either way, either way, <laughs> um, Philly cheesesteak, yeah. You know, uh, fuck, he was on the Lakers last year. I'm not sure if he's still playing, came from Miami or had solid time in Miami. Um, oh, I mean, I'll take your word for it. I just don't recall a player known as Philly oh, yeah. cheesesteak. Cheese Philly hmm. cheesesteak. You don't know Philly cheesesteak? Man, I don't snack on lasagna. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> Dion Waiters. Dion know. Waiters. Dion Waiters. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> okay. He's known as Philly cheesesteak? Yeah. Well, that, that was their inside joke uh, in the bubble. Right? Oh, my bad. My yeah, bad. I wasn't yeah, even you know, yeah. I, when I got invited, I'm sorry. They only provided one ticket, so I couldn't really get you. Got you. You were catering. You were catering. Yeah, I was, I was making you. it happen. Making it work. Making it work. I, I hear you. I hear you. Yes. But okay. I think it, it, it would be interesting. Because uh, if I think about it, why couldn't Dinwiddie do this with his own contract money receivings? You know, why is he trying to sort of intertwine it within the NBA's payment structure or within the NBA structure itself, right? Mm. Because I'm sure there would be companies out there like a sports-like or sports-focused Bitcoin equivalent that would say, hey, that's a good idea. Let's get all the athletes and then apply tokens to them and sell them like similar to how you would sell trading cards. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there's, if you tie it to a contract, it, it seems like it would ebb and flow too much where, you know, what happens in the beginning of the year where you have a bench guy who suddenly propels himself to the starting lineup and becomes star quality. Does the value of that token increase, and are there any repercussions to the team's overall financial structure? That's where it gets a little hazy for me. Yeah, you know, I was reading a little bit about this from a, a slightly different article, and 
and basically this goes a little bit deeper. Dinwiddie even said um, on Twitter, if, if fans donated about at the time, let's say 2,600 Bitcoins to his GoFundMe, he would let the fans pick who he signs to next. Oh, like shit. Yeah, like it, it was going to go to that level. So so it's totally... <laughs> Sorry. The first thing that came to mind is like you're whoring yourself out. Saying like, In a way. Right? In a way. It's, like, it's like you're selling parts of your contract and you're also giving the fans uh, a, a decision. In the yeah, matter. it's, it's like almost you're... like you're buying equity in me. In yeah. my decision making, so long as it pertains to this particular craft. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, but and, see, but then what happens when a, a person uh, or a player uh, retires? What happens to that value? Yeah, I mean, these are great questions, and right? to be honest, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. answer. It's it's sure. un, un, unprecedented, you know. And, and of course, some NBA regulators don't like this idea. I think the the legalities of it might be kind of shaky because, you know, uh, some people were arguing that Dinwiddie was trying to evade monetary inflation <laughs> by, by, by having all of his money tied up in these bitcoins right sure, sure. so it, it's it's kind of a new thing but leroy thank you for sharing this one and i apologize because i know you tried to explain it to me on messenger a couple of times <laughs> I, I, I for the life of me i still don't quite understand and probably what i broke down for our legions of fans today what don and i went through was inaccurate i'm sure we we left out a lot of information uh, you know but, we, we got the, you know, we, uh, got the we, we got the gist of it i think um, I think it's an interesting idea. Uh, I'm just surprised that more athletes haven't tried it. Like, why is Dinwiddie the first one? Well, because <laughs> all the other people that are making money have made money. Like, they don't need to worry about doing this sort of thing. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe Dinwiddie's uh, having a tough time. He's like, oh, man, I'm working with how much money? <sighs> Gotta invest. I've been listening to Nipsey way too much. You know? I know, I know. But, you know, as, as Dinwiddie likes to say, you know, he can't give away the entire sauce, right? He has to keep some things close to the vest. And, you know, we, we hope that you enjoyed this episode of the SoCal DNA. And, uh, you know, the, the All-Star game is going to be going down next Sunday. We'll definitely be giving you guys our, our reaction to that and our, mm-hmm. and our feedback to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, before we before we sign off here, do you think zion williamson is number one gonna join the slam dunk competition number two is he guaranteed to win if he joins pretty much hands down yes and yes there you have it my friends until next time see you later and keep that sauce secret